Welcome to Hudson Institute, the uh, Betsy and Wally Stern Conference Center. Um, it is my honor to welcome you this, af this afternoon's discussion with uh, former Colombian President Uribe. Um, let me just say a brief uh, introduction of him. For many of you, that's not necessary, but for people who are joining us via camera, I want to make sure that uh, um, I say a few remarks about his remarkable career. Uh, and I'm going to then, he's agreed to have a kind of conversation. I'm going to ask a few general um, questions about obvious issues of the day. And then we'll, he's graciously allowed to, uh, that he will take questions from the audience. He wants to answer as many as possible. And that means you should keep your questions focused and not uh, metaphysical. And uh, make, them, make them also questions and not uh, speeches. If you want to give speeches, get a blog. Um, um, I first met President Ribe at his inauguration, actually a little before his inauguration, as I'll come back to, um, in 2002. Um, he is a patriot of his country, and I always found him a patriot of his country, which is some of you know that work in these areas can be a problem when you work with the United States because you can be criticized for whose interest are you following. Uh, that was not a problem. Um, his interest was clear, and he was uh, an enormous ally to the United States of America. Um, at the time of his inauguration, um, many people predicted that Colombia would fail, that the uh, combination of right-wing and left-wing, uh, criminal and paramilitary and guerrilla organizations that had taken over and been given huge parts of his country enriching themselves off of drug trafficking and were um, killing, kidnapping, and uh, um, taking over huge sections of the country and spreading out into the region would dominate. In fact, as some of you who are old enough to remember, at his inauguration, which I was honored to represent the United States uh, with uh, uh, U.S. Trade Representative Zelik, um, the FARC mortared the inauguration site as uh, the president was arriving. They set up an array of uh, remote devices. Uh, fortunately, only a few of them went off, but they did kill two dozen people or so on the periphery. Um, to give you an idea, just a small idea of how brave this man is, and he doesn't like to talk about this, I know, but as the site was mortared and uh, it stopped, the security forces went in and checked it. Um, they then had him proceed in an armored vehicle, which he required to stop so that he and his wife could walk across the large open courtyard of the government buildings on camera and to show the kind of courage that he hoped his country would have under his leadership and gave his inaugural address. Um, in the time that he was president, he took uh, Colombia from a place where the enemies of democracy, the criminals and the terrorists were knocking at the door of the highest institutions of government and he brought back peace prosperity and law, changing everything from the uh, structure of the legal system to the security of people throughout his country, bringing uh, lawful government to the municipalities of Colombia that they had, some of them had not had in recent memory. He also changed the face of drugs in the United States, uh, beginning with, of course, cocaine and also including heroin at the time of the beginning of his administration. Um, his steadfast uh, destruction of the drug industry and the people who ran it on the left, on the right, and in between is 
nothing short of uh, uh, unprecedented in the history, I believe, of international cooperation and affairs. That not only is good for Colombia, but uh, we've given you some handouts that show you the rate of decline of production and the resulting effect on U.S. consumption. There are today literally tens of thousands of Americans who are not victims of drug abuse, and we, God knows we have too many of them, who are uh, saved because of what this man did in leading his own country to a better future. And for those who aren't here to say thank you and we'll never, you'll never meet, I will say ha thank you on behalf of them. Um, finally, I, I would say, and I don't want to take up his time here, uh, he may not remember this, but after he was elected and before his inauguration, he came to the United States to meet with President Bush. And um, in a part of that visit, there was a large dinner of both Democrats and Republicans from Congress in Blair House. I was the only executive branch uh, representative at that dinner so that they could be utterly candid. And some of them were used that license to be preachy and somewhat ridiculous as sometimes we can be as Americans. But one person struck me then, and since it's topical, I will say it now. Um, Senator Sessions, when it came his time to make remarks, um, said all the, the preachy stuff he wasn't sure was either here nor there. But what he wanted to tell you is that uh, he thought you had a chance to become the Abraham Lincoln of your country. The, what I think most Americans believe was the greatest president the United States has ever seen, and that gave back the United States a future of prosperity and justice that it had not had before. And he urged you to consider that possibility and to be that possibility, and then said, and I want you to know that to do that, Abraham Lincoln had to kill my great granddaddy um, uh, to show, I think, the kind of sacrifice that individuals and families make for the better of their country. I am pleased to say that I believe, and I will not presume to speak on, for Senator Sessions, but I believe you exceeded that request in making your country and the United States a better place. I could not be more honored to introduce to you President Uribe from Colombia. Thank you. Thank you, Ambassador Walter, for your generous introduction, distinguished ladies and gentlemen, distinguished journalists. It is a great pleasure for me, a great honor, to be this afternoon with you. This invitation is a great opportunity. The day before my inauguration, I had the opportunity to talk to Ambassador Walters about the complexity of the problem of Colombia. Hours later, during the inauguration, the terrorist group FARC did blast Uh, missiles against the building of the Congress, against the building of the presidency, and 23 people were killed, and dozens were injured. It was the mark of the day of the inauguration. When Plan Colombia began, because of the decision of my predecessor, President Pastrana and President Clinton, and with the support of the bipartisan coalition here in this country, Colombia had, roughly speaking, 
170,000 hectares of illicit crops. Because of your help, Ambassador Walter, and the sacrifice of many Colombians, at the end of our, our administration, we had 60,000. Two years later, during the first years of the Santos administration, it um, came down to 47,000. What is our concern? That today, my country, in accordance with the United Nations report six months ago, at that moment, my country had almost 100,000. By United Nations report, stated that during the last year, illicit crops grew in Colombia by 46%. And more recently, the United States report uh, has informed that now we have in between more than 150,000 hectares. What is the concern? This question, have we lost the efforts of Plan Colombia? The reversal trend will make Colombia a failing state again. After these enormous sacrifices by Colombians and this great support from the United States. And at this moment, a peace agreement Create uh, many concerns, concerns for many Colombians. For instance, FARC is the biggest cocaine cartel in the world. And uh, its uh, kingpins are being granted full impunity by the current administration in Colombia. The current administration has accepted that narco-trafficking, in the case of FARC, is a political crime. This is the excuse. FARC has said that they have been involved in narco-trafficking because this is a way for them to fund the rebellion. And the government has accepted this excuse. Political crimes in my country, the people uh, who come to terms with the government, in this case, the peace agreements, in the case of political crimes, they cannot be extradited. They won't be taken to jail. And they have full rights for political eligibility. They are electable for office. This is one main concern we have. I have been asked in this, in this city, what is your alternative? We have said that for ordinary guerrillas, we do not ask jail. For ordinary guerrillas, we accept that they do not go to jail. For the ring leaders, we consider first that Colombia should never accept narco-trafficking as a political crime. That in the name of peace, those involved in narco-trafficking that come to terms with the government, we accept that they do not have full sentences, that they have 
shorter sentences, but not full impunity. This is one main concern. And the second is the case of impunity. For instance, for other crimes that both parties, government and FARC, consider atrocious crimes, such as child recruitment. FARC uh, had recruited more than 11,700 children. Only 20 have been sent back to their families. FARC in, the, in between the year 1998 and the year 2003 were responsible for the kidnapping of 1,794 people. Only in this short period of time, the organization of FARC victims, this organization has a database of more than 400 people who were kidnapped by FARC and their families do not know anything about the destiny or their relatives who were kidnapped. For all these atrocious crimes, and we should include car bombs and so on, there is what I call full impunity. The government has accepted to create a new tribunal tailored to answer to the interest of FARC. Yesterday, someone in this city told me, oh, but Rwanda had a new tribunal. But Colombia has been a country of institutions. You cannot compare a country of institutions with a country with no institutions. This tribunal is not articulated with the ordinary justice. Will replace the ordinary justice. In month, this tribunal will give, will confirm impunity to FARC. But for the military and for the civilians, this tribunal, tribunal will replace ordinary justice for no less than 20 years. Imagine the country in this uncertainty submitted to this tribunal with the ordinary justice replaced, forgotten during 20 years. What a damage for our democratic institutions. In this tribunal, there are three stages. Look at this. In the first stage, the members of FARC, as a group, could accept their atrocious crimes. Don't think in narco-trafficking, because narco-trafficking is considered political crime in this agreement, not atrocious crime. Think only in atrocious crimes, child recruitment. They go to the tribunal and they say, okay, we commit these crimes. Only with the acceptance, they will enjoy impunity. What is the reason I say impunity? Because with the acceptance at the first stage, they won't go to jail. The government says, no, there is no impunity. Because we are, the tribunal will impose them mobility restrictions. 
and residence restrictions for a period in between five and eight years. Look at this. The code of the International Criminal Court requires reclusion for these crimes around for 30 years. And in the cases of acceptance, the, this code of the International Criminal Court accepts the reduction of reclusion, but not the elimination of reclusion. Second, they can be in rural areas, in what they call concentration areas. Third, in Colombia we have the institution of house arrest. In this case, they won't have the restrictions that are ordinary commonly imposed to those under house arrest. Fourth, the judge is allowed by the agreement to give them all the permissions for them to wander around the country. And fifth, at that time they are under the restrictions, they can be elected. Therefore, I have said that this symbolic sanction is unapplicable because it is impossible to think that there is effective restriction when at the same time the individual can be elected. And in the behavior of political representation, he or she will move around the country freely. I call it full impunity. Second stage, the group of FARC goes to the tribunal and says, in the first stage, we did not accept the crime. Now we have, we want to accept the crime. In this case, they have to go to jail in between five and eight years. But at the same time, they will enjoy political eligibility. The third stage, the judge says, you did not accept your responsibility during the first stage. Neither did you during the second stage. But the tribunal has found you guilty. For you have to go to jail for a time up to 20 years. Of course, it's a much shorter time than ordinary sentences in Colombia. In the ordinary sentences, in the, in the case of attempts against children, are in between 40 and 60 years in jail. But even in this third stage, that they have to go to jail, they will enjoy simultaneously political eligibility for office. Here, so far, we have three elements of this agreement. Narcotrafficking is a political crime, full impunity, and eligibility for those involved in, the, in this kind of offenses. 
against our law and order principles and legislation. The government, at the very beginning of these peace talks, proposed a referendum. The president of Colombia many times repeated, you are going, citizens, to have the final word. The people of Colombia was, were very pleased with the promise of the referendum. But the referendum in Colombia needs one question for every one topic. And the threshold for the referendum is established at the level of the Constitution. For these two reasons, the government said, we cannot call for a referendum. Instead of that, the government promised the plebiscite. In the plebiscite, the 300-page agreement was consolidated in one single question. I, by, by changing the law, the government dropped the threshold from 50% to 13% just vote of the qualified voters. After the government lost the plebiscite, the people of no, many fellow Colombians, and I fought for the no vote, we said, this electoral outcome makes the agreement non-existent. However, we want peace. This, our disagreement is not with peace. Our disagreement is with these specific concessions to FARC, because we consider them inconvenient for the future of Colombia. And we invited the government to talk, to look for how to introduce deep changes in the agreement. There were talks. We proposed many options. The government went to La Habana with our observations. And some weeks ago, we were called. And we were notified that the government and FARC had closed a new deal without consulting with the leaders of the no vote. I remember that I did beg the president, Mr. President, please allow the people of no to consider disagreement with FARC. Give us the opportunity to devise, to figure out how we, with your government, find, new, find out for new options. An answer was, no, we cannot. But the government did forget the plebiscite and said, we are not going to call for a new plebiscite. The new agreement will be ratified by Congress. We cannot accept that direct democracy in this case, be replaced by, by Congress. And 
today, even worse. The government is asking for Congress to implement the agreements through what they call the fast track. What is the fast track? This is a new constitutional procedure inserted in our legislation only for this occasion, for the agreement with FARC. In this legislation, government and the majority in Congress enacted this test. Any constitutional amendment with the proposal of incorporating the agreement with FARC will be passed with this quick procedure. In one period, ordinary legislation, legislation says in two. With three debates, ordinary legislation says in eight. Without political possibilities to introduce changes, without political possibilities to reject the governmental proposal. And this new legislation, what we call fast track, gives the president limitless powers for him to replace the legislation and to issue decrees to insert in the legal order agreement with FARC that should be at the level of ordinary legislation. But Article 5 of this legislation stated the only way for this legislation to work is if the plebiscite wins. Now the plebiscite is lost. The government does not want to call for a new plebiscite. However, the government wants to implement the agreement through Congress, and not through ordinary legislation, but also by operating the fast track without the necessary condition of the previous plebiscite. It is the abolition of democracy. People thinking all the opposite that we consider, say, peace is a right that should prevail over democracy. Our answer is the only way for a stable peace is a stable democracy. And many people think that peace with these people of FARC is the peace of Colombia. In the year 2002, you remember Ambassador Walter, FARC had, roughly speaking, 30,000 members. Today's roster says that this organization in the peace process has presented a list, a database of 5,647. The Constitution in a country 
of almost 50 million people will be changed to please this group. But at the same time, there, is the, there, are, there are some groups that are far dissidents. The ELN, the second largest guerrilla group, is growing. Yesterday, Il, uh, this organization attempted against three communitarian leaders in the province of Norte de Santander, a bordering pro province with Venezuela. Third, the general prosecutor says that Colombia has 3,500 new criminal guns. Fourth, there are no less than 75,000 families involved in narco-trafficking. Therefore, what is the reason to think that impunity granted to FARC is a piece of Colombia? In the future, these people of ELN, FARC dissidents, new members of new criminal gangs, will ask for the same treatment. It is a very bad example. And the more impunity you grant to FARC, the more other people will feel stimulated to, for the expansion of illicit drugs with the hope that in the future they will receive the same benefit of impunity and political eligibility. These are some of the reasons we are in disagreement with uh, this test uh, signed between the current Colombian government and the terrorist group FARC. But I, I want you to conduct the, this presentation to take your, your questions, your comments, Ambassador Walter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you covered a lot of the, uh, of, the, of the questions, and I'm going to leave time for uh, the various uh, people in our audience, many of whom are from the press and who have uh, also backgrounds to, to ask some questions as well. But I want to start off with a few. Before I do, I just want to mention uh, uh, Ambassador Jaime Derenbloom, who's uh, one of my colleagues here at Hudson who helped to uh, uh, bring you here and has been a longtime friend of Colombia and, uh, um, and to many of our allies in, in Latin America. His illness has prevented him from being here, but I want to acknowledge him and, and the work he's done here, and especially in connection with uh, allowing us to be here together uh, today. Thank you, Ambassador. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I would ask, we're at a period of transition, obviously, where many people are thinking, not only in the new, for the new administration, but in Congress, about what US policy should be going forward. Given the threats you see with the current agreement that has been, um, of course, had a lot of pressure on, uh, uh, on uh, you who've said, led the, the no effort to stop, and accusing you of being against peace, accusing you of being against the future. 
I think you've been eloquent in starting us off by seeing you can't have a lawful future, you can't fight terror and drugs, you can't fight um, people who have tried to destroy the Constitution by bending it for them. Um, but how the U.S. will be presented with what I understand is going to be a plan called uh, Peace Columbia as a follow-on to Plan Columbia. Um, uh, this is an opportunity to give some advice on what should be the policy of uh, the United States to fix the, uh, the, the forces that could be unleashed with regard to the, the current agreement and the, uh, uh, and the trends of both drug trafficking and, um, and impunity that you uh, have outlined? What, what, could, what can the United States do to get this right? Ambassador, I have heard some voices here in Washington. They say, for the United States, what matters is the future. What we need is that Colombian government, with the kingpins of FARC, eliminate illicit drugs in the years to come. And they have added, we do not matter whether or not Colombia will punish FARC members for PACs, felonies, crimes. We do not matter whether in Colombia, whether or not Colombia uh, chooses to define narco-trafficking as a political crime. We understand that the government uh, has injured democracy by skipping the plebiscite, and some of them have expressed concerns because of the fast track. My answer is this. If you are worried only for the future and you disregard punishment for the past, it will create bad example. It will promote that many people feel the vacuum left by the 100 kingpins of FARC and will expand narco-trafficking. When Colombia gave some level of impunity to Pablo Escobar, my fellow Colombians were said, now with this agreement with Escobar, Colombia will no longer suffer narco-traffic. And it took place the opposite, the explosion, the blown up of much more narco-traffic. For I asked the, the United States to consider this element. I want, and I want to repeat before you that we are not asking for fuel punishment for narco-trafficking. We accept that this peace agreement needs some benefits for the people of FARC. What we ask for is first not to consider narco-trafficking as a political crime. In, in real Colombia, narco-trafficking has been the source of atrocious crimes. Second, punish them at least with shorter sentences. Punishment to whom? To the kingpins. There is a second concern. When we work in joint action with you, Ambassador Walter, you remember that we adopted integral 
methodology to fight drugs. Aerial spray, this government has suspended any aerial spray. Manual eradication, this government has declined manual eradication down to the bottom. Extradition, we extradited um, uh, around 1,200 people because of narco-trafficking. 1,100, roughly speaking, to the, for the United States. This government uh, exempts far leaders from extradition. Those who, for any reason, were not extradited, they had to go to jail in Colombia. Now, they are not going to be taken to jail in Colombia. Other point, we said to communities, we are going to eradicate drugs. There is no option. Your only choice is to accept this eradication. But we want to give you possibilities for income substitution, to replace coca plantations for special coffee, cocoa, rubber, forest, forestry, and forest guard families. We adopted an integral solution, but with all the determination. Now, any solution should have the prior acceptance, prior consent of communities pressed by FARC. For I am pessimistic for the future. And I am pessimistic for the bad example that this agreement sets for other people. The question of democracy. The international principle of non-intervention cannot prevail over the obligation of every country to respect democracy. I have argued that in the case of Venezuela, our countries have broken the democratic chart of the Organization of American States. With the exception of Luis Almagro, the Secretary General of the Organization of American States, the countries have been very weak. The more weak they have been, the more has advanced the dictatorship in Venezuela. And at this moment, my fear is that international disregard for this betrayal to democracy in Colombia, when the government has skipped the new plebiscite and wants to change the constitution by the fast track, without debate, without the possibility to introduce deep changes, is a new violation of democracy that should call the attention of every member of the Organization of American States, the United States, every democratic country in the world, should pay attention 
to this case of full impunity, to this case of elimination of some democratic principles. For I consider that the United States, that in practical terms, has been our main ally, should not be interested only in the future, should be considered what is happening in this moment in the country. Because the wrong management of this moment in Colombia could be the cause for new problems in the coming future. Um, I want to ask you um, about the Colombian experience, but, I, but maybe to start by emphasizing something you just said, which is um, one problem that is particular, I think, to drug policy, but it reflects other issues regarding promotion of democracy, is a misunderstanding and some cowardice about what causes what. When you, as you point out, when you led, the issue was if you allow the narco-trafficking terrorists to continue to get money and freedom and power, you cannot sustain democracy. That, that compromises that allow that to continue are self-defeating. There's a tendency to ignore the, the, the way this works, um, partly, I think, through ignorance and partly, as, as I say, I think through cowardice. Um, the, as you say, uh, when you went to communities in Colombia that were involved in trafficking and said, we are going to give you an alternative, but one of those alternatives is not to continue to grow the crop. We'll give you alternative development. We'll give you even income support to return the rainforest to its uh, original state. Um, you gave a legitimate path for walking away from not only drugs, but the money that funded anti-democratic forces that the drugs are based on, whether they're criminal or left-wing or right-wing in their, in their orientation. Um, the example and success of that clarity in Colombia stands in stark contrast, which many in Washington think of as the, the inability of the United States to be effective in promoting democracy in the world. I spoke to uh, Michael uh, Mandelbaum, who has a book many people in this room will know called Mission Failure, which is about essentially kind of post-Cold War US policy. And the argument of the book is that every time the United States has tried to, for good reasons, enter into uh, supporting democracy, of course, is focused on Iraq and Afghanistan, it has more or less failed. Uh, I spoke to him and said, you know, I thought that the argument was interesting, but I asked him about Colombia, which is the one obvious example that no one ever talks about in Washington. And he told me, well, I haven't studied that. Uh, and I thought, well, you kind of made a general statement about the limits and the stupidity of American policy, even if it was stupid for what it thought were right, the right reasons. And um, I, I, am, I am both frustrated in some ways that in order to be serious about this, we don't look at the full range of history. But also, you are an example of someone who worked with the United States and created a, I would say, a, a remarkable success. I wondered if you could say something about how the United States got it right in Colombia. What, 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 for a new administration, for people who are really trying to write the future policy for the United States to see the whole picture, what should the United States do 
that is not either self-defeating or crippling for our allies that can help to support democracy. Some of it's implicit in the remarks you've already made, but I do think something explicit for the time now when part of the, I think the, um, the, 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 the spoken lesson is we always fail when the United States tries to help people in the world, and when, and when we think we're not gonna fail, we even make it worse. And that is a kind of self-defeating and crippling posture for policymakers and for, I think, the American people to believe in the world. Um, you're, you're someone who uh, worked with the United States and created a remarkable success. What should we think, given that experience about policy in the future? What should guide us? What should be the, 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 the principles or the engagement? And how much of this will obviously be said, well, actually, it was you. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, that led these policies to a success. But um, it, at least working with the United States as an ally, we didn't destroy your capacity for success. So uh, can you say something about the example of Colombia and how it should be read into the future of US policy? Ambassador, the first question, the United States has failed or has succeeded in the case of Colombia. I do not need words. Facts are much more important. The joint action between Colombia and the United States succeeded. Remember, the joint action brought uh, narco-trafficking from 170,000 hectares down to 47,000 hectares with uh, the mistakes, uh, the points I missed during my administration. Our administration, with the help of Plan Colombia of the United States, made significant progress. Progress in security, in investment promotion, in, redu in poverty reduction. We did not advance what would be enough for Colombia. I made mistakes. I am a political fighter. But the country was making significant progress. The evidence of that is the election of President Santos in the year 2010. He was elected with a great majority because of our platform. If President Santos would have given continuity to that task, he promised he'll we, he will um, impulse Colombia would be in peace with uh, narco-trafficking at the lowest, at the bottom. Maybe the kingpins protected in Caracas or either in La Habana. But with ordinary members of the organization, they mobilize in Colombia. The kingpins without possibilities to commit crimes in Colombia. We lost this opportunity. Today I see a great complication, a great complexity. 
very difficult to deal with. Because the, besides that, the economy is in a very concerning slowdown. And remember, in El Salvador, and we, it is difficult to compare the Colombian case with, the, with El Salvador, because Colombia has not been a dictatorial country. Instead of restrictions, of restricted democracy, Colombia has enjoyed a pluralistic open democracy. The agreement in El Salvador in the year 1993, supported by all over the United States, the Pope, the same than now. You cannot imagine how difficult it was for the people of the no vote to invite Colombians to vote no. And Colombians ask me, why, if President Obama supports the agreement? Why, if the Pope supports the agreement? I, I, uh, uh, I was quiet. I didn't know how to answer this objection from the voters. How difficult in a country with this uh, willingness to applause President Obama when we have a great, great appreciation for the United States in a country of a great majority of Catholic people. It has been very difficult. But the full stop law adopted in El Salvador, enacted in El Salvador in the, in the year 1993, was dropped this year by the Supreme Court of Justice in El Salvador. My guess is that in the future, any court in Colombia could drop this full impunity legislation. The economy. Nobody did realize that the agreement in El Salvador was very restrictive for the private investment. Later on, the people of El Salvador did suffer the consequences, a depressed economy. It created much more violence. Guerrillas in El Salvador were made by no more than 30,000 people. Today, people involved in maras, they are more than 70,000. The economy became so depressed that it created a humanitarian crisis that caused the election of former guerrillas in the year 2009. And today, the economy in El Salvador continues being in very bad shape. I am fearful that the current situation in the economy in Colombia, plus the restriction imposed by disagreement with FARC, could cause many more problems in the future. How to deal with this situation for the international community? I accept, I understand that the international community accepts peace talks. 
by the international community, at least those who have worked in joint action with Colombia, such as the case of the United States, should require from the parties some changes. After the, the plebiscite, I was called by people at the higher level of the government of the United States. And what I said is this, please. At this moment, we need you to urge the Colombian government to introduce deep changes in La Habana agreements. At this moment, it is late, but tomorrow could be too late. At this moment, it is very important to consider not only the future of narcotrafficking in Colombia, but what to do with the past crimes related to narcotraffic. And to consider that my country has skipped the plebiscite and wants to introduce a new the agreement and to convert it into legislation through the fast track. The, the years to come will be very difficult years in Colombia. We have some clear ideas and some not yet clear ideas. We have to consider this. So far, clear ideas. Full impunity is very negative for the future of Colombia. Eligibility. To allow eligibility for office, for those involved in atrocious crimes, at least without prior compliance of sentences, is a great example for the future of the country. To abolish democratic procedures at this moment is uh, very damaging for the future of the country. And uh, to ignore victims' claims, the case of children, and to FARC continues being a Marxist-oriented group. The week before the plebiscite, they had a conference. And they accepted the, the agreement. And they stated that this agreement was the demonstration, was the evidence that the armed struggle has won. They have been in the large years under the protection of Chavez and Maduro. And they are loyal followers of the socialism of the 21st century as the dictators of Venezuela call uh, their failed model. Therefore, we are very concerned for the future. Many people have said to me, don't worry. These people of FARC will never be elected. Be careful. One and a half months ago, Timochenko, the top kingpin of FARC, had an approval rate less lower than the president of Colombia. And if you 
grande impunity, restrict the economy. The country cannot perform well in the economy. The creation of jobs with dignity stops. It could uh, lead the country to a humanitarian crisis, creating the political environment to elect these people or to elect the coalition they are going to participate in. For it is a case of danger of risk for our democracy. And there are some misconceptions in the international community. First, the case of Colombia is not a case of dictator who used to operate in Latin America, confronted by civilian in arms. The case of Colombia is the case of a pluralistic open democracy challenged, threatened by Marxist-oriented guerrillas, paramilitaries, all of them with the support of narco-trafficking. This is the case of narco-terrorism threatening an open democracy. Second misconception, our military, our armed forces, are not the armed forces of dictators. They are the armed forces of democracy. We cannot accept that our military forces are placed at the same level of guerrillas as this government has done. We are asking for a special treatment for them, not a treatment of impunity. But look at this, at this moment, Militaries and civilians in Colombia have to go to the same FAR tribunal. What is the reason I said FAR? I say FAR tribunal because this tribunal is tailored to meet the interests of FARC and the judges. Although FARC and the government have accepted, then the judges cannot be foreigners, that they have to be Colombians. The origin of the judges will be with the direct participation of FARC. And for FARC, it will be very easy. They will go there and they will accept their crimes and they will enjoy full impunity. And they say, yes, we committed these crimes because we were in the exercise of our right of rebellion. But look at this for the military or for the civilians. If one member of our armed forces, one civilian, is called to go before the tribunal, he or she has these options. To be found guilty or to be acquitted. This is a chance. To avoid this chance, the option to be safe is to accept a crime that even she, he or she, had not committed. And many families of the military have said, what we need for our relatives is freedom. For it is very dangerous for the future of our democracy to blind members of the military 
Democratic Armed Forces, of the civilian communities, to go to the tribunal and for the reason of freedom to accept crimes they have never committed. This creates a great danger, danger for the memory of the country, for the future of our institutions, for we are asking for a special solution without impunity for the members of our armed forces. And the third misconception is this. Colombia is a very unfair economic and social country. With this conclusion of unfairness, many people in the world justify the criminal activities today of FARC. But look at this. When you go to the city of Cartagena, you find two cities. One city with hotels, tourism, industry, workers with dignity, with affiliation to the social security system. In the other city, misery, poverty, lack of opportunities. The evidence of Cartagena is the proof that in Colombia, the private sector is not the cause of our problems. What has been the cause of our problems is the lack of much more private sector. When the private sector expands, people in Colombia find uh, jobs with dignity, opportunities. When the public sector is restricted, and it has been restricted because of violence, people do not find opportunities. And it is my duty to express to the international community to review these misunderstandings, misconceptions that have been solved to portray Colombia in a different way that this Colombia in real terms. I think we'll allow uh, some questions here. Again, make it a question and uh, make it specific so that we can get as many in as possible. My colleague, Richard Weitz. Please, I, w one only condition. <laughs> Speak slowly to me. <laughs> because I, I, I am almost, almost deaf in Spanish and much more in English. <laughs> it is a... It is a a limitation for being a singer, <laughs> but an advantage for being a politician. <laughs> Certainly, sir. Thank you so much for joining us today. I had a question about your, some of your, the, the military reforms you made. In particular, you established what's in English is called the Joint Special Operations Command, uh, abbreviated CCOES in Spanish. And I was curious, what were the aims that you had in mind when you did so? And in also in particular, whatever the aims, do you think that that group, that structure, helped you achieve the military victory that we've seen in, against the FARC and drive them to the peace table? Our main aim was to dismantle the terrorist organizations. And our main objective was to demobilize them. During our, our administration, 
we had a demobilization of 35,000 members of the paramilitary organization. The ordinary paramilitaries did not go to jail. The kingpins went to jail for a period in between five and eight years. 14 of them were extradited to the United States. They were not granted the right for political eligibility. We did not negotiate with them any change in our Constitution. At the same time, with the same legislation and with the same policy, we got the demobilization of 18,000 members of guerrillas. And we did treat them the same we did with paramilitaries. Four members of guerrilla were extradited to the United States. One is Simon Trinidad. Here, here. Because he was responsible of many cases of narco-trafficking, and because of his participation in the kidnapping of some Americans. And uh, his accomplices, here, here in jail, his accomplices are in Colombia, enjoying impunity. Accomplices, not only of narco-trafficking, but also accomplices in the kidnapping of many Americans. Second, our proposal was not a full military victory. Our proposal was to dismantle the terrorist organizations, to offer them shorter sentences, to promote a generous reinsertion without impunity, and to give them opportunities for them to study, for them to undertake entrepreneurial initiatives initiatives, and so on. Because many people have said the alternative in Colombia is war or peace. First, we cannot speak of war in Colombia. Colombia has not lived in civil war. Colombia has lived the threat from narco-terrorist organizations against the rule of law. It is quite different than war. For I surprise when I read in the international media that Colombia is overcoming 52 years of civil war. What civil war? Five, people supported by narco-trafficking against the rule of law. What civil war, my friends? But our idea was not a full military defeat. Our idea was to recover security, to dismantle these organizations, to promote demobilization, to give a generous treatment without impunity, and to build 
economic prosperity and social cohesion in the country. For I beg you to forget the idea that our idea was the full defeat of these terrorist organizations, the, mass the massacre of these terrorist or of the terror organizations. And uh, let me say this. FARC has said that they were never defeated by the government. In the last year, they were protected by Chavez. The reduction is evident. They have come from 30,000 members to 5,647. Therefore, I, I hope to be clear. Our aim was to dismantle terror organization, to accompany our policy with general reinsertion, with economic promotion, with uh, what we did call consolidation social policies in the main areas affected by these groups, and with a general social policy in the country. All these policies were making significant progress, regardless of my mistakes and regarded the points I miss as president. If you allow me, I, I, will, I will gather five or six questions. Yeah, why don't we, why don't we do a couple questions? Go ahead. Sir, my name is Cornelia Weiss. I had the honor of serving in your country in 2005-2006. And I have, in my discussions with uh, certain individuals, they have commented to me that in terms of looking towards the future, that instead of Colombia becoming more like in El Salvador and Guatemala in terms of violence, um, that it will become more of like a Chile and, and Argentina. And so I'd like to hear what your response would be to those assertions. Thank you, sir. Very short answer. <laughs> I hope Chile won't reverse its uh, prosperity. At this moment, we wanted, we should be as Chile were some years ago, two or three years. Now I have doubts. <laughs> President Macri is making a great effort for Argentina to overcome the nightmare of Chavismo. Therefore, these are not good examples. And I hope of the success for President Macri policies. You see what has happened in El Salvador and Guatemala, countries that I love. For them, we wish we have our best wishes. But Colombia, these are not good examples for Colombia. Let's take a couple questions. One here, and then a couple over here, and I'll let you choose. Go ahead. Yes, my name is Ruben Barrera with the Mexican News Agency, Notimex. Thanks for the Hudson Institute for doing this. President. I, I like Mexican English because you speak slowly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will try to speak slower. <laughs> uh, 
You mentioned Simon Trinidad, and he was the highest part ranking extradited by Colombia during your government. Um, even though he was in prison, the FARC during the Havana negotiation, he was put in charge of the disarmament phase of the peace agreement. Now, <clears throat> I, uh, we understand that there are some push by the FARC uh, before the US government in order to see Montreal to be released. So I would like to know what is your position in this regard, taking in consideration that President Obama is almost out of the office. He will pay, he will pay any political price if he decides to do this. And it will be for him an opportunity to say that this is the way the, 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 youth, the, the youth government is supporting the peace process. Yeah, my, my approach to the United States has been an approach to respect all the parties. I had the opportunity to work with President Bush. I had the support of President Clinton, with whom my predecessor, President Pastrana, had agreed on Plan Colombia. President Clinton was very supportive of my administration, and during the first 19 months of the Obama administration, we worked jointly with the Obama administration. With all the respect for the outgoing administration, or for the incoming administration in the United States, I just want to say this. So far, this morning in Oslo, President Santos said, that the Colombian government has not requested the release of Simon Trinidad. But I cannot understand why here in Washington some people say the opposite, that the Colombian government has requested the release. Second, it is enough to remember to you, my friend, that Simon Trinidad was not extradited by my government for political reasons. He was extradited for narco-trafficking, not for political reasons. And uh, as far as I understand, he's convicted here in the United States for narco-trafficking and for the kidnapping of some Americans in Colombia. Uh, there is one institution in the international legislation known as extraterritoriality, passive territory. Countries have the right to pursue those criminals against the domestic interests in the country, although the felonies have been committed in foreign territories. And look at this, my friend the accomplices of Trinidad, accomplices in narco-trafficking, in atrocious crimes, in child recruitment, in rape and abuses against women, in the kidnapping of Americans, they enjoy at this moment impunity in Colombia. I don't know what the United States is going to do. But I consider that every bad example in these cases is the midwife of new violence. Well, one last question. Sir? 
Mark Schneider, International Crisis Group. I had the pleasure of working with you at the start of Plan Columbia in, when I was a different life. Um, and there's no question that Plan Columbia and the work that you did resulted in the negotiations being possible. Um, I think, though, that there's some distinction between the way you describe the agreement and the way others have. You use the term full impunity. When I look at the, what we've been looking at is Nepal, Northern Ireland, and other peace agreements worldwide, uh, far more of the FARC members will go through a criminal procedure, and far more will go through, as you described it, that first stage than in any of those countries. And so far as I know, the ICC has not found this procedure to be unacceptable. And the real question to you is, what happens if next week the Constitutional Court decides that fast track is acceptable under Colombia's constitution. Um, will you, as a member of the Senate and uh, presumably leader of your party, um, will you take a different view as to whether or not that's an acceptable constitutional procedure? I cannot accept this because, and I hope you won't accept this. One of the problems is that very important people in the international community has accepted full impunity in Colombia. We cannot compare the case of Colombia with the Irish case. And remember this. When you see who are the representatives of Northern Ireland in the British Parliament, they were never convicted of atrocious crimes. It could be that they committed atrocious crimes, crimes, but they were never convicted. In Colombia, these people are convicted of atrocious crimes. However, they will be granted impunity and the right of political eligibility. This is a huge difference. They will go to the tribunal and with the acceptance of the crime, they will enjoy full impunity. The lack of impunity is not to go before the tribunal. It's not the omission of the trial. Impunity is not because, only because the trial has been omitted. Impunity is because even after the trial, those responsible for atrocious crimes enjoy no punishment and enjoy full rights of political eligibility. What is the importance of going to the trial if with the exclusive acceptance they won't be adequately punished? Therefore, I, I want to I want you to take the reflection. On the other hand, the fast track explicitly in Article 5 stated, this exceptional procedure could be applicable only under the condition that the plebiscite wins. This is not my invention. If you look, if you go to, the, to this exceptional uh, legal amendment in my country, 
you will find this text in Article 5. Therefore, I ask the, the Constitutional Court, what is the reason to accept that fat struck is applicable at all at this moment in clear violation of Article 5? Second, the rules to change the Constitution only can be adopted in Colombia by any constitutional assembly or by any tool of direct people participation. The fast track adopted by the government and by Congress without direct people participation, skipping the plebiscite, violates the principle of our Constitution in accordance with the rules to change the Constitution only can be modified by any constitutional assembly or either by direct people participation. The government has pressed the Constitutional Court. I cannot understand that the President of Colombia publicly in a press conference this morning said, I expect that on Monday the Constitutional Court approved the fast track. The president has violated all his democratic promises, the referendum, the plebiscite, the necessity to introduce big cha deep changes after the, uh, he lost the plebiscite. The new plebiscite for people to, um, to ratify the new agreement. And now he wants to skip ordinary procedures in Congress. The argument of these people is peace is over democracy. Please, it is the everyday excuse. This is what Castro said. 56 years ago. This is what Chavez said in the year 1998. We consider the opposite. It is impossible to get a stable peace without democracy, without the energy of the private sector, without the principles to respect the political and civil rights of the people. For we cannot accept this. What we are going to do? In the absence of the fast track, we will discuss in Congress every bill. Besides that, we have to go to the street of Colombians because every politician has the, not the right, has the obligation to defend uh, the voters' indications. We cannot abandon the voters who disagree with uh, this test, with this treaty of La Habana. Therefore, we have to go to the streets to collect signatures of our people and to promote a new referendum. In the presence of the fast track, we have to discuss 
if uh, there are merit to discuss in Congress. Because as you know, and you are well, well informed about Colombia, Mr. Snyder, <laughs> the fast track does not allow debate in Congress. In practical terms, it prohibits to introduce changes in Congress. Therefore, it is not a democratic deba debate. Uh, thank you. Uh, good news. He's expressing to me some agreements with us. <laughs> good news. <laughs> therefore, therefore, it will be a uh, Un engaño, a deceive, a deceive, a democratic deceive. The president will say, fast track, a discussion in Congress. What discussion? What discussion? A fast track does not allow people in Congress to debate, to introduce changes, to reject agreement with FARC. It is not a democratic procedure. In this case, in any circumstance, I have the idea that we have to go to the streets and to collect Colombians, people's signatures, to promote a new referendum, a new tool of direct participation. But in the case of the fast track, we will say this is a, a coup against our democracy, a coup against our constitution. It is a betrayal to our people, to Colombian citizens who were offered by the government. You are going to have the last word. You are going to make the last decision. Therefore, we have to express our disagreement. And I want to anticipate this. Dictators, on behalf of peace, suppress democracy. Look at what happened in Venezuela. In the name of peace, the dictatorship of Venezuela has suppressed democracy. Many people of the opposition are political prisoners. And the governmental excuses, they are in jail because we need peace. Look at this. The only way for any country to get an stable peace is by a law and order. And our concern is that Colombia is breaking the main principle of law and order. And I conclude with this. It is quite difficult to blame Colombia for breaking the principle of law and order. What is the reason for this difficulty? Because of the long tradition, of the long Colombian tradition of respect to the principles of law and order. But at this moment, and it is a sadness for me to say this. Colombia is violating, is breaking the principles of law and order. On behalf of uh, my colleagues at Hudson and, and everyone here, I want to thank you, Mr. President, for all your um, service not only to your country, but to ours as well, as I said at the beginning. And um, I, I, I mentioned one other thing that I mentioned to you before the, the event started. 
Um, I was recalling that when we first met and then while we worked together, um, your clarity and the ambitious goals that you set, as you know, were seen by many as not achievable. We can't really reduce drugs. We can't really fight the terror. We can't re he won't really extradite all those people so that they actually have are brought to justice. He can't really build the economy. He can't really uh, create justice in the municipalities throughout the country. And I would constantly, I will confess here from US personnel that uh, um, um, you know, we have to be careful, we've got to be, and after about the fifth or sixth, I'm a little slow at learning, fifth or sixth times I said, you know, why don't you stop saying he can't do it when he says he can and get out of his way and help him a little more and stop being worried about failure and how about we get ready for some success. And I won't say I changed the bureaucracy because the bureaucracy doesn't change very much, but um, I will say that what became different about working with you as a leader of Columbia was the expectation that not only the clarity of vision, but the ability to implement policy that changed the future was in the hands of one man and it was proud to be your ally. So thank you for all you've done for us. Hey, Ambassador, I, I have many reasons of gratitude to you. Because as you know, I am an explosive fighter. <laughs> and you are a calm fighter. <laughs> the combination of your calm and my permanent turbulence <laughs> with that same level of determination I, I guess it was convenient for my country. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.